0: Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching Glorify God and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation, but any views and opinions expressed in this episode are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Herzog Foundation. Well, we are so excited to be back with this special series where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations from past summit sessions, and today I'm excited to share Prisha Jordan's session from the 2022 Summit on Preventing Teacher Burnout. I don't have to tell you this is an important topic, and I know you're going to be blessed by this session, so we'll share it right away. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Rise Up Summit. I'm so excited to be here today with Prisha Jordan, and we're going to be talking about um burnout. And, you know, we titled this session, Stop Being the Superhero, uh, because that, that happens so much. So I can't wait. Prisha has been sharing so many amazing things on her website and her podcast, which we're going to talk more about later. Um, And I knew she'd be a great person to have on to talk about this topic. So Prisha, thank you so much for being here. And can you introduce um yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're doing before we dive in? Yes, for
1: sure. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I enjoyed the Rise Up Summit last year, and I had such a good time learning so much from all of the sessions. So just being invited, I was like, oh, God heard my prayers. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so I'm so excited to be here and especially to be talking about this topic because God has been doing a work in me on this topic for sure. Um, So my name is Prasha Jordan. I am a public school teacher. I have been so for a decade now and I love what I do. I teach middle school. I love middle school. (laughs) Yes. Middle school. Um, I love I love everything about it. It's wonderful. And so I've been doing this for the past decade. I teach social studies and I've also run an elective program called Abbott, which I love. And I'm a strong advocate for and I love teaching. It has been a passion and a gift of mine since I was like eight. <laughs> and so being a teacher is definitely my dream job come true. Um, I started a blog called Prayer and Pedagogy a couple of years ago. Did not intend to be a blogger or, or anything of that nature, but my husband, he has a gift for being able to to see in me some things that I can't always see in myself, and then pushing me to to do more, to be better, and to really share the gifts that God has given me. So I started prayer and pedagogy, and here we are. <laughs> it has been quite an adventure over the last couple of years.
0: Uh, I love that he pushed you to do that. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're... you're- podcast your blog is such is such a blessing and it's it's cool to see to see that emerging. So thank you for being here and we titled this session stop being the superhero because whether we mean to or not a lot of times as teachers we do kind of sometimes take on this superhero complex where we're trying to do everything and thinking we we can handle it or we have to handle it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes whether we realize it or not it's like we're actually just heading straight to burnout. So Let's start with like why do you think that is? Why do you think we tend to take on sometimes more than we can handle?
1: So I definitely <clears throat> I know for myself that that being a superhero, being superwoman, doing everything on your own by yourself has been a strong tendency of mine forever. And I think as an educator and as a believer, we are members of systems that whether they intend to or not, they're built to consume. They're mm-hmm. built to take. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that means that we have to monitor ourselves as members of these systems because these systems are never satiated. Um, And so even then in the Bible, we see in Matthew where um, the writer says that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So there's always going to be work that needs to be done. And we know in education, The work is never over. (laughs) We're always doing the labor of educating, of tending to, of caring, of nurturing, of growing kids. And so those systems are created to consume. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we have to monitor how much we give to those systems. And I think as Christians and as educators, we want to serve. We're built to serve. We have a heart that is often drawn to meet needs. And, you know, if you look in Luke 10, where you see Martha, Jesus is coming to her house and she's so excited that Jesus is coming and she's doing all of this work in preparing and cleaning and cooking. And if Jesus were coming over to my house, I do the same thing. Um, But we see there when her sister complains, or when Martha complains about how her sister is not helping her, Jesus says, Sit down. Sometimes when we are so eager and desirous to serve, we think we're doing the right thing. We want to put on our cape and we want to help those in need. We want to go out and save the day. We want to pray for everybody who needs prayer and serve everybody who needs serving and help fix everything that needs fixing. But sometimes I think when we're so eager to serve. We forget to sit. We forget that we need to rest and Even Martha, she wanted to serve Jesus. That's who we were created to serve. That's what we're here to do. But Jesus tells her, sit down. Sometimes the better thing is not serving Jesus, but sitting with Jesus. And I think that we have to be intentional and practicing, taking off that cape, refusing to burn ourselves out and sitting in the presence of Jesus instead of always striving to serve, to serve, to serve.
0: And that can be hard. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's really helpful to hear all of that. You know, I mean, there's just... It's, some of this just comes naturally to want to do it. Sometimes it's even a good tendency, but you're right. We have to push back against that and all those things. And I can't wait to dive into some of this more deeply with you. Um Sometimes when you hear this topic, especially lately, it's just, you know, make more time for self-care. And that's like as far as it goes. <laughs> so I'm really glad that as Christians, we have more than just that. We have like yes. deep truths in scripture that are really helpful for us. And you've been exploring this. And so I'm so excited. So let's start with patterns of work and rest. What have you seen in scripture about this and how should this apply to us as teachers?
1: I love the question about patterns, um, because as believers and as educators, we fall into seasons. Um, You know, school has a a pattern, a cyclical nature to it. And I know as as a teacher, I often am just waiting for the next holiday, (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's the pattern that I create. If I could just make it to fall break and if I could just make it to winter break and if I can just make it to summer break and finding those patterns of striving and trying not to burn out and sometimes burning out and waiting until the next holiday, the next gap in the calendar to actually rest. And I find that for myself, that pattern is not healthy. I often created patterns of work, 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 work until somebody made me stop. Mm. And that became my pattern until I was too far gone or burnt out or stressed out and snapping at everybody and things of that nature. And my husband's like, Mm-mm, it's, it's time for you to, to chill out. And I'm like, oh, OK. And that was the pattern that I was perpetuating.
0: In my life, I
1: thrive on being busy and having a lot of things to do, as, as a lot of us sometimes do in this field. And so wondering where did that come from and wondering what the word had to say about it? I started to look to Jesus, of course, as an example, because Jesus had work to do. Like he came here with a very specific purpose and with a very important work that he needed to accomplish. And he was successful in accomplishing that work. And so if I know that I have a purpose in my classroom, in my community, in my family, in my church, and I want to be successful in accomplishing that purpose and in doing the work that God has placed in me to do, then I wanted to look to Jesus as an example because he was successful in doing that work. And when I looked at those patterns, I saw that Jesus worked And Jesus rested. And oftentimes when we see Jesus resting in the Bible. It says that he withdrew. And I love that. I was enchanted by what does that mean to withdraw? What does that mean to intentionally pull yourself back? And it says it like over about a dozen times that Jesus withdrew after he taught. Jesus withdrew after he performed miracles. Jesus withdrew after he healed somebody. Jesus withdrew when he was experiencing grief and and hard times. Jesus withdrew when he was being attacked by people who wanted to squash his message and his purpose. And so I began to look into this pattern of Jesus doing the work that his father gave him to do and then withdrawing Uh, Luke. 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And that really spoke to me about what this pattern of rest and work looks like, according to the example that Jesus set. Um, And there were three things that I noticed in Jesus's patterns. Number one, he was intentional, not accidental. When Jesus withdrew, withdrawing is a very intentional, purposeful action. For me, withdrawing was accidental. Oh, yay, the holiday is here. Or, oh, good, it's a snow day. And so now I actually get a break. Not that I was intending to get this break, but I'm going to take it. Um, Or, oh, my husband is finally telling me, like, I need to slow down and sit down and take a holiday weekend. But with Jesus, it wasn't accidental. He was very intentional and very purposeful in withdrawing from people and pulling away from the work and resting. The second thing I saw was that for Jesus, this pattern was ordinary, not extraordinary. This was a habit that Jesus had of withdrawing. His disciples could often know that if they didn't find him, that he was somewhere off with his father talking to God in prayer, or that he was somewhere off resting and fasting and renewing himself for the work that needed to be done. And so I think that if we're going to follow that pattern, our work needs to be done for sure. But the rest needs to be done in conjunction with the work. And that resting, that withdrawing, It should not be an extraordinary occurrence that happens like, oh, I'm finally taking a break. And everybody looks up like, oh, you didn't sign up for this. You didn't take on this task. You didn't, uh, you know, volunteer for this thing. Whenever I say no, people used to just be in shock because they were so used to me showing up, being there, doing this, being the leader of that being over this thing. And I realized that taking a break had become an extraordinary action when it was supposed to be an ordinary action, according to the example that Jesus said. And then the last thing I saw was something that you spoke on. We have this hurrah for self-care in education and just, I think, in the world of work overall. And I do think that self-care is important But I did notice that when Jesus withdrew, it was for prayer, not self-care. And that really stood out to me because I love (laughs) self-care. But the thing as believers that really refills our cup, that really renews our spirit is not Sitting on the couch, binging Netflix for three hours with popcorn and hot cocoa and just lounging out and just not answering our phone or doing anything. Um, It's not even lighting some candles and turning on some low music and soaking our feet in a tub of Epsom salt, which can be good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's self-care and self-care does have a place in our practice, But when Jesus withdrew and when he was needing specifically to be refilled, to be renewed, to be re-energized, it wasn't self-care that he turned to. It was prayer. The word says that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He was going before the face of his father. He was sitting before the throne of God, spending time being poured into, nurtured by the spirit, renewed in the word, which was God, that's where his rejuvenation came from. That's what enabled him to go back to doing the hard work that he was doing of saving the world of teaching his disciples of healing people of ministering to lost souls of drawing all men unto him. But he was able to do that work because he was renewed in a pattern of work and rest, work and rest, work, withdraw. And when he withdrew, it was intentional. It was ordinary. And he turned to prayer and not self care. And so having that revelation And seeing that in the scripture really confronted me. I mean, it really put a mirror up to the patterns that I have built. And they don't look like Jesus's. And I had to wrestle with that because oftentimes what we consider to be success and what God would say success is may not always align. Um, You know, most recently, I just had a whirlwind of, what the world will call success. And I do believe that it was God's blessings, but, you know, I have been teacher of the year for my campus and then I became teacher of the year for my district. And then I became a finalist for a teacher of the year in my region. And I mean, that was mind blowing and I was very grateful for the opportunity, but I also reflect and think back on what got me to this position and how did I end up accomplishing all of this success and at what cost when my patterns of work and rest did not mimic Jesus's patterns of work and rest. And so while I'm grateful for all of the the accolades and the accomplishments, and I'm grateful to be able to represent, you know, God and, and my beliefs and my faiths in a public way on these different stages and opportunities. I also know that success is not being praised for being tired, for being exhausted, for being worn out, but that I can accomplish the work that God has set out for me to do when I follow the example of Jesus's patterns of work and rest. And that's real success. That I'm able to do that work and still pour into my family, pour into my kids, pour into my husband, serve at my church, give into my community, and I'm not depleted to the point of no return at the end of that.
0: So if someone's listening and saying, okay, that sounds, I I get it. I I need to, (laughs) I need to have rest, but there's so much to do. Like I can't rest, Mm -hmm. you know? And when we look to Jesus, we would say, well, there was never a lack of people that needed him. He just withdrew anyhow. But do you have any practical, like, as you've been trying to do that, recently have you do you have any advice for someone that's just like I, I just don't get like like they're kind of stuck on that like how <laughs> there's so much to do how
1: yeah for sure that was definitely me because like you said there is no lack of people who need me I feel like and I imagine for Jesus of course there was no lack of people who needed healing who wanted to be saved who wanted to learn more about the discipleship of Jesus Christ and, and what was he doing in the world? And so I, I wrestled with that as well. I, I, sometimes I still do wrestle with that because I have to look at Jesus knowing all of these people are out here, these souls that need to be saved, and the world that needs to be saved. And he has this crushing responsibility to execute this work on behalf of his father. And yet somehow he still found time to withdraw. And that's a challenge for me because I I always feel drawn to want to help people who are in need. So a couple of things that have worked really well for me is number one, accountability. My husband has been a really powerful partner in helping me learn how to rest and how to withdraw. Just as recently as this weekend, a person was in need and I, I wanted to go run and help them. And I also wanted to spend time with my family and do these things. And because of the need, it was very specific. I felt like there were very few people who could meet that need because they don't have the same skill set as me. And my husband really sat with me and said, I'm coming to you as your friend. And I'm talking to you like your accountability partner. And he really laid out for me the habit that I was falling back into of running to every person who is in need. And he said, if you do not go, if you were out of town, if you were out of contact, what would that person do? How else would they get their needs met? And you know what happened? They did. They found another source. They found another way of getting their needs met. And they actually didn't need me at all. And so sometimes the first thing that we have to consider is that what we think people need and what people actually need don't always align. And sometimes we need that accountability person who can look us in our face, sit us down and hold a mirror up to us so that we can fight against falling back into the same patterns. Um, another thing that I found really helpful is just setting a date and a time to withdraw and the same commitment that I give to showing up to work or to showing up to those meetings or doing other things that are on my calendar is the same commitment that I need to give to withdrawing. Mm. Jesus was intentional yeah. about withdrawing. He didn't accidentally say, oh, well, I guess somebody needs me today. I think I'm going to go take a nap. or I think I'm going to go sit in the garden and talk to God for an hour because my schedule freed up. Jesus scheduled. He was intentional about the decision to withdraw. And so for me, oftentimes I have to put it on my calendar. And some people may be like, oh, you scheduling God? I do. I schedule everything that's important. And if I schedule everything that's important, that means that I have to be intentional about scheduling my time with God. And the same way that I wouldn't allow other phone calls or emails to distract me from other meetings that I have on my calendar, I'm going to prioritize withdrawing in that same way. I'm going to give withdrawing that same amount of importance and significance in my calendar. I want to stick to that appointment like I would stick to a doctor's appointment or a, a work appointment or an appointment with a friend to go hang out. Uh, and so I found that to be, to be really helpful in a really tangible way. Um,
0: that's such and so great I, advice.
1: I, I like that's what works for me. Cause if it's not on my calendar, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and so those reminders also that I set, help me to be intentional about withdrawing. Um, and I think the other thing is just, it's a habit. Once you fall into that pattern, there are certain things that I do. I don't even think about doing. Because I'm so used to doing it that I can be half sleep and I'm still <laughs> going to do this thing because it's just ingrained in me. And so I think as we make a commitment to withdrawing, to resting, to denying burnout and prioritizing care for ourselves and care for ourselves within our relationship with Christ, within the context of drinking from the well, of being renewed by the Holy Spirit. That becomes a habit and we can fall into a pattern and replace some of the negative patterns that we have with the habit of work, withdraw, work, withdraw, work, withdraw. Um, and so it's not easy. It's not. I think that part of the reason why God has had me on this, this path <laughs> for this past a year and a half or so is so that. When people look at me and they often say, how do you do all that you do? And how do you accomplish all those things? I don't want the answer to be exhaustion. I don't want the answer to be burnout. I don't want the answer to be, oh, I stay at my job until seven o'clock every day. And that's how I got these things done. The answer should point towards Christ. Mm -hmm. And if I can't point towards Christ in my answer, then who am I leading people to? What am I leading people to? What example am I setting For other educators who look up to me and say, I want to do that, that thing that you do. I want to be like you. I I see how you connect with your kids or I see how you create these lessons. How do I do that? I don't want to point them to 12 hours of writing lesson plans. I want to say at the end of the day, I close my laptop, I go home and I sit with God. I talk with God. He pours into me. And I'm able to maximize the time, the creativity and the energy and the relationship building, not because of the labor that I do, but because of the withdrawing that I do. Because if they'll repeat that pattern, they'll be powerful.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's so, oh my goodness. There's so much there. The wisdom of, of an accountability person is so great because. Um, just getting that other person's advice, right? Because sometimes you're like, "Well, do I need to serve? Like, we should never serve." And, and just having someone else there to be able to say, nope, yep, it's time to serve," or "Nope, you know, you've <laughs> you've done enough." That's so helpful. And then scheduling it. Right. What gets scheduled gets done, just valuing it. And I know there's that axiom, like work expands to fill the time allowed. (laughs) Like if you give yourself this much time, it's just going to fill is not, you're not going to just be done early. Like that like never happens. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) saying, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm done now. I'm I'm going to go withdrawal. Then, then you start finding solutions. Well, how do I get it done in the time that's left? And then, yeah. Do I want to point people to my work? And I do think work can become something that we trust in, right? It can become like an idol. Like, I can do this. Yes. I can work. And sometimes choosing to rest, choosing to withdraw is is an act of trusting God. Like, trusting God that you've commanded me to rest. You're going to take the time I have left and make it enough. Yeah.
1: That's That great. is so, oh so true. Uh, a few years ago, I wrote a blog post called Jesus Was Tired Too. And it's Mm. one of the favorites that I go back to personally because I, I, I think about, I mean, oftentimes I think Jesus is God in the flesh. And so I think sometimes we focus on the Jesus was God part and we miss out on the in the flesh part. Like Jesus was human like us and he did very human like things because he was a human being. And I remember being exhausted, (laughs) being tired, being on the the edge of burnout and coming across uh, the verse that says, and Jesus was tired. And I was like, Jesus was tired. I hadn't thought about Jesus being tired. thought about Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. And I had not ever really focused in on Jesus being tired. Like he was in a human body and his body got tired. And when Jesus was tired, he sat down. And it's simple because it's like, yeah, when you're tired, you should rest. Your body is telling you it's time to take a break. But I think oftentimes we get the narrative that we're supposed to push through tired, that we're supposed to keep going past our exhaustion point, that we're supposed to sacrifice and pour it all out. And that often means pushing past what your body is telling you. But I think God did a pretty good job of creating these bodies to work the way that he set them up to work. And so when Jesus was tired, he rested. And I love what you said about trusting God because in him resting, he worked. He met the Mm -hmm. woman at the well and was able to minister to her because he stopped to rest. And if we can trust that God is going to order our steps, that he is going to do the work of completing the task that he put in us, the work that he gave us to do, that he will bring it to fruition. If we really believe and trust that, like we say we do, then we learn that even in resting, we can accomplish the work that God has set out for us to do. It is because Jesus stopped at the well he was tired. So he took a break and got water from the well that he had this encounter that changed this woman's life. And then she went on to change her community by telling everybody, I just met a man who knew everything about me. Come and see this man. But I often think, what if Jesus had that mentality of, I just got to keep going. I just have to keep grinding. I got to push through. I can't stop here. I gotta save the world. But Jesus was obedient to what his body was telling him. He was also obedient to what he knew God had called him to do. And so he had enough faith in his father to know that he was going to be able to complete the work that God had gave him to do, even when he rested. And so that's just another great example for us. If we really are trusting God, if we're really placing our faith in the Father, then we have to be confident to know that even we, when we are resting, God is at work in us and he can always work through us. And in fact, he's probably more able to do that when we are in a place of rest because we can better hear from him and we can better obey what it is that he's telling us to do.
0: That for Absolutely. me,
1: oh, it. Was mind blowing. And
0: that's so good. (laughs) Like,
1: oh, I can take a break. I can calm down. I can sit down. I can deny this opportunity or this task or this role and still trust that God is going to accomplish in me everything that He has set out to accomplish and that I can accomplish everything that He has given me to do. And that does not mean that I have to deny myself the opportunity to rest.
0: We take a quick break to let you know that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian education in a variety of ways, and I highly recommend checking them out. One thing in particular I want to recommend to you is looking at their trainings. They have free in-person trainings for both Christian school leaders and, in some cases, for teachers as well. These cover a variety of important topics like culture building, board leadership, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, and so much more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are often also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So please check these out and see if they're right for you and your school at herzogfoundation.com slash events. Now back to the program. Okay, so I hope you guys are getting the need for creating patterns of work. We work hard, but we also rest. Um, so let's, let's take, you have another thing that you've shared on your podcast about bearing one another's bird burdens. I love the insights from your devotional podcast. Can you share with us, how should we be thinking about bearing this concept of bearing each other's burdens?
1: So this was another challenge for me. I, I have always struggled with this idea of letting other people bear my burden. And as I was, you know, studying doing the devotional time, uh, I came across Galatians two, which says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the Holy Spirit just started talking to me and I was like, okay, well, apparently this is going to be uh, one of the episodes that I do for my devotional podcast. And as I really started digging into it, oh, I was just so confronted. I was so challenged because... When I read this scripture, I was like, oh yeah, I do that. I I will bear another person's burdens as a person who feels drawn to want to help people, to nurture people, to coach people, to support people, mentor. This scripture, got it. I can bear other people's burdens. You call me, text me, beat me, however you want to reach me. And I will be there to bear your burden. And I love doing that for other people. But what confronted me was not the bearing another's burdens, it was bearing one another. And that means that just as much as I was being called to bear other people's burdens, I had the light bulb moment that that also meant that other people were being called to bear my burden. That I had a problem with. <laughs> that I was like, oh, wait, I, I didn't sign up. For that, this is a one-way, you know, communication system. I hear, I'm i here for you. I support you. I'll pour into to you. But I realized that what I was afraid of was that vulnerability piece. If other people are going to bear my burdens, I have to share those burdens with them. I have to be humble enough to say, I don't have it all together. This is heavy. This is weighing on me. This is wearing me out. And that was a bit scary. It it was a bit nerve wracking to think about being that vulnerable with another person because I was used to always being the strong one. And I can bear all of your burdens, but turning around and saying to somebody else that I need help, that I'm struggling, that this burden is heavy was not something that I was used to doing. And so that that verse really challenged me to pause and think about what it meant to allow other people to bear my burdens. And for me, it wasn't that I didn't have people who were willing. I've been very blessed to have a very strong partner in my husband, have a very dynamic family of believers and friend circles who... Really love me and want to support me, and I was not giving them that opportunity. And so that really challenged me. It, it really confronted me in my, in my spirit to think about how I was denying other people the opportunity to do what God called them to do. And that scared me. Because if there's one mm-hmm. thing I don't want to get in the way of, it's in the way of God's word and God's work being done in the earth. And that, that had me sit up straight <laughs> and, and really challenged me to change the dynamics of some of those relationships that I had. Um, because the latter part of Galatians 6, 2 says that by doing the bearing and the sharing of one another's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Yes. As a believer, my most desire is to see the law of Christ fulfilled in the earth to see his work done. And the word says that we are called to to love God and to love others. This is the law. This is the work that we're supposed to love God and love others as we love ourselves. And so when I realized that by bearing but not sharing, I was only fulfilling half of the verse. I was only being halfway obedient. I wasn't actually in full obedience, and and half obedience is disobedience. And I did not want to be disobedient to what the word and the spirit were calling me to do. And so, once I had that insight and got that revelation, it changed the way that I saw what it meant to do to bear one another's burdens. And it really put the onus of responsibility on me to speak up, to share to be intentional in those relationships where I needed to say, hey, I need help. Hey, this is a challenge that I'm having. Could you pray for me in this way? Could you give me some feedback on this thing? I'm really nervous or scared or anxious or worried about this thing. And letting other people do the work of being obedient to that call as well.
0: Yeah, this was like when when I, when I, Listen to your pockets. I was like, wow, yes. Like I mean that verse I don't know. It's always bear one another's burdens. Okay, I'm ready to bear. And it's like, no, no, no wait. Yeah, like and I think for some of us that's really hard. For those of us that are, you know, always wanting to help and or see ourselves in those roles, it's it can that can be really hard. But I love that encouragement. such a
1: challenge. It really can be such a challenge. And I think in the duality of being an educator and being a believer that we that narrative of giving, serving, doing, like we're always the one doing mm-hmm. the action mm-hmm. and not the one being acted upon. Um, yeah. And oftentimes it can be painted in a negative light when you ask for help or when you say you need help or when you're, you know, the weakest link. And that goes completely against what the word is calling us to do. And so really it's about obedience and you have to take that step to be humble and to be vulnerable, uh, and to allow other people to bear your burdens. Otherwise you're being disobedient. And I know mm-hmm. that we want to serve God. We want to obey God. And sometimes we just have to confront within ourselves what he's actually calling us to do versus the narrative of what we hear.
0: Yeah. I just get that image of, you know, where Paul says we're the body of like, you know, like a finger being like, I'm on my own. Like, Nobody help me. <laughs> just, we can't. We can't. Yes. Oh, man. I wish you could spend like a whole other session just on that. But we have one other really great thing that I want to ask you about. So another thing that you talked about that I think will be really helpful in this topic is you talked about facing facts, but yeah. then choosing faith over facts. So what do you mean by that? And what does that look like? And how does that help us when we feel really overwhelmed?
1: This has been, I think... <laughs> The Holy Spirit is doing work. And so <laughs> I, I've learned that, again, going back to that pattern of work and rest, that when I withdraw from the everyday hustle and grind of life, I'm always surprised by how much revelation and understanding I get about life. And then I'm like, but why are you surprised by that? Like, that's literally what Jesus said and did. Um, And so in, in the study, I was noticing Um, It was um, in the Bible we were talking about, I was reading about Abraham and how he was promised that he was going to be the father of many nations. And yet him and Sarah were old, old as very, and they had not born any children. And I loved um, in the new Testament, when Paul is talking about this and talking about the story of Abraham and Sarah to new Testament believers, He talks about how Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead. And I love the Bible because sometimes the Bible is (laughs) just straight to it. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this part before. Like I've always seen how Abraham trusted and believed in the Lord. And, you know, I've always seen how God fulfilled his promises to Abraham. But I had not ever really seen where Abraham confronted the reality of the improbability of his situation. And Abraham says, my body is as good as dead. Like I'm old as dirt. These things and parts are not functioning the way that they used to. And it was said as a factual statement. And oftentimes as believers, the narrative that we get fed is that when God makes a promise, we just got to believe it as is, like it's just going to happen. And we don't need to acknowledge or say or speak anything negative about the situation. We're just going to go straight to believing God. And so when I saw Paul talk about how Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, that brought tears to my eyes. I think the first time that I really understood it, because it, it lifted this weight of feeling like we could never say anything negative or bad or even acknowledge the reality of any of the situations that we face. And it just made me sad to think that believers are walking around unnecessarily burdened. Like I've known people who have gotten cancer diagnosis, who have uh, struggled with infertility who have been in financial ruin and have felt like they could not speak the truth about Mm -hmm. the heartache and the hardship that they were experiencing because they felt a pressure to need to perform faith, to need Mm -hmm. to present faith in a certain way. And that's not anything that God called us to do. That's not anything that that we are are told to do in the Bible, but it's a pressure and a narrative that church culture has perpetuated for years. And so my heart really broke when I thought about believers who were enduring all types of heartbreaking hardships and on top of experiencing the hardship, felt like they had to perform their faith that they could not say anything negative or anything perceived as a lack of faith, that they could never face the facts of what they were dealing with. And so when I saw that Abraham, who's the father of the faith, you know, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, he's listed right there at, at the top as being an exemplar of great faith and to see that he could say, this body is done for it. My wife is barren. These are the facts of our situation. It did not diminish his faith. It actually showed that in face of the facts, he still had faith that God was going to do everything that he promised. Even though the situation made absolutely no sense, it actually, to me, I thought it increased his faith exponentially Because he was willing to face the facts, I can't do this on my own. My body is not going to be able to make this promise come true. There is no way that my barren life is going to be able to give birth to generations, people more numerous than the stars. None of this makes sense. And in this reality of none of this stuff making sense, I still have faith that God's word will come to fruition. That's powerful. And I think it's freeing, I hope. Yes. Is that that is freeing to believers who have been burdened by this pressure, this extra biblical pressure to need to perform and present their faith in a certain way that denies the reality of what they're experiencing. And my prayer is that believers are freed from that. And that we know that we can face the facts, but we face those facts with faith in God.
0: Wow, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much. As we wrap up, do you have any like final advice or encouragement that you want to leave teachers with that might be feeling overwhelmed or doing too much and maybe headed even for burnout? <laughs> you are not alone
1: would be number one, and I think we know we're not alone. But sometimes it just feels good. To hear it, <laughs> you are not alone. If you are exhausted, you're worn out. You're like school just started, and I'm already tired. We're here, like we got you. You are not alone in experiencing that. I think that the comfort would be in knowing that you are not alone. The challenge will be in finding that accountability so that you can follow the example that Christ set. I hope that you find freedom in dispelling the narratives, the outside voices that are trying to tell you, this is what success looked like. This is what the expectations are. This is what you have to do in order to do the work that God has called you. And really sit and decipher where those voices coming from why do I think that this thing is true? Can I find that in scripture or does scripture say something else? Is that coming from a pulpit or is that coming from a passage? Sometimes those things are not the same. And that's that's the reality of humanity. And so I would encourage you to withdraw, to follow that example that Jesus has set And when you are withdrawing, when you are in the face of God, when you are in front of that throne, ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Ask him to pour into you and ask him to challenge you to really confront some of the narratives and the expectations that we have for ourselves or that we've allowed other people to put on us or that we've adopted from the culture and really hold it up side by side with scripture and see what stands. What lasts when it's compared with scripture and what falls to the wayside. And I think if we do that and we really get intentional about doing that, the good thing is the Holy Spirit is faithful to meet us, to pour into us. The word says the Holy Spirit can remind us of what the word says. And so we are intentional about spending that time with him. Then we can know that that time will be fruitful.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so great. Right. Comparing, talking, taking it to God, getting the accountability and comparing to scripture always, always. And that's a journey that God is always going to be. When we ask God, show me, show me what's true. He loves to answer that prayer. He does. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, as we wrap up, I wish we had a whole other hour, but um where can teachers best connect with you and your work to continue to grow with
1: you? For sure. So my website is prayerandpedagogy.com. And that is where you can find me and connect with me from there. I am also um, found at prayer and pedagogy on social media, so Facebook, Instagram. And my YouTube channel is Prayer and Pedagogy as well. And that is where you can find my podcast. And then you can also find other things that I share about the pedagogy side of things. I love the art and the skill of teaching. And I really love connecting and coaching other teachers um, because I like being good at my job. I do. I believe in working as unto the Lord and and doing that work well. So I work hard, but I'm also going to rest hard as well.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll link to some of those things down as part of this session, too. Would you mind real quick praying for us um, as we wrap up now?
1: That That's absolutely. <laughs> One <laughs> thing that people may not know about me is that my name is Praysha, um, but it actually means she shall pray. And so that's where my name comes from. So it's once people hear that, they're like, yeah, your mom, she, she heard from the Lord. I said, I asked her, like, where did you get my name from? Where where did this come from? And she just tells me, you know, she got it from God and it means she shall pray. And here we are and I'm like, yep. (laughs) So absolutely, it would be my pleasure. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for life and health and strength. And thank you so much for the opportunity to connect As believers, as professionals in this space, thank you for the work that you have called us to do. It is important work in the world of education, um, but also important work in the world of being a believer who is tasked to go out and make disciples. Lord, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that rests inside every believer, that we have the ability to come before you, to be humble, to be open to be willing to hear and know that you will minister to us exactly as we need. Lord God, as um, we talk to educators all around the world, thank you so much for the gift and skill of teaching. Thank you for the heart of educators who are going out every day, ministering to children and to other professionals. Thank you that you have given us this good work to do, that you've called us to this harvest. And that we are out here laboring. I also thank you that through your son, Jesus Christ, you have established a pattern of work and rest for us to follow. Give us the strength to mimic him. Give us the wisdom to know when to work and when to rest. Strengthen our faith in you, O oh God, that you can complete the work in us that you have given us to do even when we are resting. Allow for us to truly trust and believe that your work and your word will come to fruition in our lives and that we can work and we can rest when we work and rest in the power that you've given us. We love you and we thank you so much for allowing us to be loved by you. We know that you will meet our every need And that you will continue to help us to do everything that you've called us to do so that we can be obedient to you. Grow disciples, minister to our children, to the world, and minister to you as well. May you get the glory out of everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you again so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Praysha Jordan on preventing teacher burnout. And if you'd like to share this episode with a friend or colleague, um, you can obviously share it with them from Apple Podcast or Spotify, but you can also send them to teachfortheheart.com slash best, where we're putting all of the notes and links um, for this entire series. So once again, that's teachfortheheart.com slash best. If you want any of the notes and links or to connect more with Praysha, you can get all of that information over at teachfortheheart.com slash best. One other thing I want to tell you about is if you are struggling with burnout or you have friends that are, I highly recommend one of our programs here at Teach for the Heart called Teach Uplifted. It's designed to help you renew your passion for teaching by finding joy and peace in Christ. It might be the perfect thing to do as we head into the new year. So you can find out more about it at teachuplifted.com. That's teachuplifted.com. Well, once again, this podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation, and I hope to see you again. We're actually going to be taking a couple weeks off for Christmas, but we'll be excited to see you back right at the start of the year where we're going to be sharing a conversation with Alistair Begg about bravely teaching by faith, which I think is a great way to start out the new year. So please have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you again. In the new year. In the meantime, teacher, remember God is at work in you and through you, and He's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on Him and teach for the heart.